0: know me from my testimony which I gave a few weeks ago um, which is a, just a really great service one of the only few times where I wear nice clothes to church um, <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know uh, one of our, our testimony is we've been trying to have children for about seven years and we went through a lot of doctors and a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. And, uh, at the end of that journey, God had kind of killed that dream because we had gone to one of the best doctors in the United States at Brigham and women's in Boston. And the doctor said, uh, you have unexplained infertility and there's nothing we can do for you. And that was tough. Uh, That was like one of the hardest moments i'm getting emotional thinking about it because that at that point i had realized that nothing i can do i can't do anything after all the praying after all the tears and all the treatments and all the different things it's over god doesn't want this to happen Uh, however uh, god does resurrect some dreams in this life and around that same week we had conceived and my son is here today and i'm so happy like that god brought that dream uh, alive um and i didn't initially i did not believe i did not believe that we were pregnant stephanie took a pregnancy test i said don't tell anybody like let this hope is dead like i'm Finished grieving. I don't want to let this come alive again because I didn't want to have to go through that whole cycle of hope and despair. It was really. It took a couple months, I think, before I really believed it. The whole summer, we told maybe one person, uh, one person each. We allowed ourselves to tell that this was a possibility, and not until after the blood test. Um, did, we, did I finally believe? Stephanie believed before I did, because she has more faith than I do. I have not very much faith. Uh, but when she told me, I was, I was shocked. I was like, how can this possibly be? Um, but that wasn't the end. The pregnancy wasn't the end. The pregnancy was the beginning. What I didn't do was like, okay, awesome. I'm just going to go about my normal life again. Uh, no, we were... I was filled with joy. I was filled with anticipation. I was getting ready. I was still living my life, but I harnessed my thoughts and my energy and my thinking was propelled towards the arrival of Elliot. Uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time, got the nursery ready. As my, I read so many... Th- books and things and, uh, cause I had no idea and I still don't know what I'm doing, but the books were at least like an illusion that helped me to understand what it's like to be a parent. And I think often we think the same is true of Easter. We think Easter is the climax and the end, and then we just go about our normal business. Like, like Steve said, Easter is over. What do we do now? Um, Was the resurrection the greatest day in history, and then it's all just downhill from there? Um, No. There is one more day that I would say is equally as important as the resurrection. Um, It's an important day, but it's a day that's not on the liturgical calendar because we do not know when that day will be. Um, this day is the second coming of Christ. Um, if Easter is the expectation, we think of Easter as the end, and it is an end, but it's also a beginning. And Easter is an expectation of something. Um, if he's the expectation, the pregnancy, if you will, then the new earth and heaven is the arrival, is the birth, the actual thing. I, I was so happy when my it was we were pregnant, but I did not sob and cry until I saw him. And it's the same with, I think in a lot of ways, with the Christian life. You know, Easter is the resurrection of Jesus, and he came back conquering Satan's sin in death, and the arrival of his kingdom began. But there's another day coming when Jesus will finish that work. And I'm excited about that. So if we can turn in our Bibles, please, to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, i reading from the ESV this morning. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the, tw- at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And on the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with a rod 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the, uh, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And... I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gate will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. or son, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. that. Uh, thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection and your second coming. God, we are so excited. I pray that you would fill us this morning with a sense of excitement for what is coming. Uh, what is coming is so great that we will barely be able to stand it. Um, We'll be so happy and so filled with joy, and it will last forever. God, I pray that you just help me as I speak these words. They'd be your words, not my words. And I just ask that we would leave here with a sense of joy and excitement of your second coming and the new heavens and the new earth. I just ask for this in your name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what do you think about when you think about heaven? What do you think about when you think about heaven? Can I get the, yes. This is Raphael's angels, and um, this looks really boring. This does not look like heaven to me at all. Uh, this looks awful. We'll, we'll die, and then we'll become little chubby babies with wings on us. That is not like that's not what I think about when I think about heaven. But that is kind of how our culture um, propagates this. In some ways, we think of heaven as this like crazy place where we just kind of sit around on clouds. And can we get the second picture, please? And babies playing with pigeons on clouds, uh, making wreaths. Uh, yes, that's what heaven's going to be like. So you better enjoy what you can here. No. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do, okay? Um, Don't think about these things when you think about heaven. But this is kind of how, in a lot of ways, we think about it because culture and history and all these things have imprinted uh, on our minds and hearts what the afterlife is like, what happens after we die and Jesus comes back. Um, These are Renaissance painters, geniuses, but they painted heaven like some sort of yeah, we're just like little fat babies with wings, which, no, that's not what it's like. So i want to say, I wanna try to articulate that it's much better than that, a million times better than that. Um, so my first point in what heaven is like is that Jesus is in the redemption, not the annihilation business. Um, as you saw on Easter, Jesus came back from death, and he still had his same body, but resurrected. It was still Jesus. They knew it was Jesus, but something different about him. And uh, when he redeems something, he, to redeem means to literally to buy back. Um, so I kind of want to zoom out and place this text into history a little bit. Uh, God could have wiped out Adam and Eve from the beginning. It says, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die, right? Uh, And then they ate, they blew it, and they didn't die immediately. And I believe that's because God had a plan for them. Because God does not start over. God is sovereign. God knew this was coming from the very beginning, right? It's not like, oh, no what did they do? I need to figure something out quick here. No, that's not God. He is in control and he knew this was happening. Um, And he had a plan from the very beginning. He didn't start over. He kept it going. He wanted to start a relationship with us. And throughout history, he did this from the fall. When we sin,s we see God on plan to redeem and restore man. Um, why is there a new heavens and a new earth? Also, why would He remake something? Why didn't He? Why is there Jerusalem, the tree of life, the healing of the nations, right? Why didn't he do something totally different? Why Jerusalem? Why the tree of life? Those are all images from redemptive history that Jesus brings back here at the end. And that's because he is, he is, he is not making heaven something unfathomable or beyond our minds but is something that we can relate to. God has been our redeemer throughout history even uh, in the beginning after Genesis 3 after we had sinned against God, and God promised that he would kill us, he said, no, I'm going to, with yours, the seed of Eve, I'm going to bring someone to bring redemption. The serpent, the enemy, will bruise his heel, and he will crush his head. Right? That's the, that's the first clue we have that, of Jesus, Jesus ultimately coming back to destroy Satan. From the beginning we see this. Also, we see it in Noah. People had done evil. It says, the thought and intention of every man was towards evil continuously. Right? Wicked people, wickedness had filled the earth. But God had a plan. Not because Noah was great, but because God chose Noah. God loved Noah. God wanted to have a relationship with mankind, so he rescued him. He had him build an ark, flooded the earth, wiped out that evil, at least temporarily, and the waters receded, and Noah resettled on earth. And again with Abraham. Abraham, he was just living his own life. Not, especially, not a special guy. God was like, I will make you special. I will make you a nation. And from, from this nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Right? Another hint of Jesus coming. Through Abraham's offspring will all the nations of the world be blessed. Abraham wasn't a great guy. He was a bad guy, just like all of us. These aren't heroes. These are sinners like you and me. Abraham did some, some crazy things, some stupid things, okay? Saying his wife was his sister. Twice, right? It's like, who does that? That's weird. And God rescued him. We also see it in the prophets. Um, in Nehemiah, after Jerusalem had disobeyed God, like he said not to do, they had sinned and he said, I will put you into captivity. And he did. But God still brought out Nehemiah and others to rebuild the walls, to redeem a peace, to have a remnant, all the prophets up until John. God always kept his hands on the pulse of human history and was in the process of saving people and bringing people to him. He also says he made us to be his people and God to be their God. We just read this. If you turn back, please, to... He will. This is verse uh, 3. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And God himself says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. This is not the first time this verse has been stated. This verse appears over 40 times throughout the Old and New Testament. Because God does not stop redeeming. He has not failed in his creation and is trying to make it better, but he is he is working everything out for good. He said, after each day in His creation, it is good, it is good, it is good, and God's not going to let that let that go. He's not going to let that be destroyed. He is going to let that goodness continue. Um, I want to read one verse from Ezekiel thirty-six starting in 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is one of the places, one of 40, 40 plus that he says this. His plan has been the same plan since the beginning. And his plan is to bring a people to love him and to worship him and to glorify him in everything. And he is going to do it. Who gives us the new hearts? God. Who gives us the new spirits? God. He will take our heart of stone, which we all are born with. Okay. And he will take that out and he will give us a heart of flesh. And if you've trusted in Jesus, you are experiencing that now. And there will be a fulfillment of that at the new earth and the the resurrection of the dead. God gives us the land. And finally we have, so we see in the Old Testament, God having a plan to redeem his people he makes a nation he makes a people he makes a remnant of people who love him and worship him and then jesus jesus comes on the scene he lives a perfect life he does not sin at all with his heart with his mind with his words with his actions he does not sin he dies a sinner's death in our place he If you think of any man whose life was cut short, who deserved to live longer, it would have been Jesus. And he chose in his 30s to die. And not just to die, to die a horrible, brutal, accursed death. And then he dies. The wrath of God is placed on him for all of my sin. I do the bad things. Jesus does the good things. Jesus gets the punishments. And I get the good things of Jesus. That's that's what redemption is all about. And then Easter comes on Sunday. He rises from death. That is... Uh, amazing. I have no problem believing what the Bible says. Uh, it doesn't matter if, you know, there's certain passages in scripture that people debate about, but I have no problem believing what the Bible says because if I believe that a man came back from death, which I have never seen, then I can believe anything the Bible says, right? Uh, it does not matter because I believe that Jesus came back from death, which you do not get to come back from. Because he conquered Satan, sin, the grave, and death. And then at that point, at Easter, God starts to bring his kingdom onto the earth. Um, I've been reading with my class, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Chronicles of Narnia, and... The book is an allegory of Jesus, and Aslan, the main character who's a lion who represents Jesus, he also dies at the hand of a traitor, one of the children, Edmund. He commits treason against Aslan, and the witch has the right to take his life. But Aslan, in his place, goes on the stone table and is also mocked and killed. And his hope is gone, but he comes back to life. And the stone table is broken. And it says that, C.S. Lewis says in the book that death begins working backwards. I love that line. Death begins working backwards because Jesus was the first fruits. He came back from death. And it's all going to go back. And we're all going to be resurrected from death. Okay, that's what we're looking forward to. We're all going to come back. So death begins working backwards at the resurrection of Christ. And then the church. Jesus says that, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. Um, and the church is God's redemptive agent on the earth for now for the last 2,000 years and that's what the church does. We are the church. We tell people about Jesus. The church meets physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Um, And I believe, I'm thankful for uh, CIC that we do this. I believe this in a lot of ways. We have served missionaries we served Kristen if you did not get a chance to read her testimony it was powerful I read it last night and it really just affected me it's on the websites um, and through the faithful giving of our church enabled her to bring about sharing the gospel in South America meeting physical needs meeting emotional needs meeting spiritual needs and many more this church I love this church I love you guys Because we, I think, for the most part, we do this. Um, And I want to continue to ask that you serve. Steve asked me to preach. And I had a lot of reasons to say no. Nope. I'm good. I'm busy. I got plenty to do. I got this. This is finals week next week for me. I've got a lot going on, but my pastor asked me to do something and I thought very hard before I refused it and I did say yes. So I want to encourage you, don't wait for your pastor to ask you, serve. Serve in this church. They're not paying me to say this, okay, they're not coming to me beforehand, okay, I'm like you, I work a regular job, I am busy, I have life going on, I have a baby. But I still serve in capacities in the church. And I would ask you to continue to do that. Many of you do this. For those of you who do not, I would ask that you do. I know we have various ministries, and Del says many times, you know, ministry is more than just within this church, but it is not less than what's in this church. Okay, Ministry is not less than what's in this church, and the church has plenty of needs. Ask these guys after the service. They will plug you right in. Right. Um, so it's restoring the earth, but the earth is still broken because sin, right? So we're in this world where we have Jesus in us, uh, as Steve had prayed, Jesus is within us. He is breaking sin in our lives. He is breaking sin in the lives of others. As a church, we are trying to, uh, redeem what's going on, but sin still exists, And there's still brokenness, and there's still pain, and there's still anguish. Um, You know, uh, it's that joy is mingled with grief, right? Joy is mingled with grief in this life. Uh, There is great joy with being a Christian, but there's also great suffering. There's great pain. There's great misery. But it's still broken. And we are, it's being redeemed, However, at Jesus' second coming, it's the final restoration of all things. The final restoration. This it includes people, but it's not limited to people. It also is the creation and the earth, right? It says in the passage, there will be no temple because God will be their God and we will be his people. He, the dwelling place of God is with man, is with us. We will see him. We will be with him. We will talk with him. We will hang out with him. It says in Romans 8, uh, that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, that the creation itse- itself might be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the hope of the freedom of the children of God. Thank you, David. Um... I need that little help there. So it's not just people, but God subjected the whole creation to futility. That's why we see death. That's why we see disaster. That's why we see disease. Because the creation, the the fall, the sin, affects everything that will all be restored. I don't want to say that I think it's more accurate to say the new earth than to say heaven, and I'll probably use those words interchangeably, Um, but you can see that uh, the river from the throne, from the new heaven, flows down into the city, right, into the new earth. We will live on the new earth, but as he has done already, Jesus comes down to us, right, and he lives among us, and he will at the second coming, right? Heaven and earth will be merged, right? Because God brings heaven down. The river from the throne flows into the city where we will live and enjoy him forever. Jesus comes down to our level, right? Which is so great uh, about Jesus. He doesn't only do this in this life. He did come down became a man. He will come down again at his second coming and be with us and live with us forever. And we will enjoy him and glorify him forever as well. So that's the redemptive plan throughout history, and it ends at his second coming. My second point I want to make is that the new earth will be new, but it will be not be unfathomable. You know, there's many theologians that I've, I've as I've studied this and throughout my life, you just heard say that heaven is this like totally crazy place uh, that you can't even imagine. There is no uh, human experience that... Uh, defines or explains it, I don't think that is true. Uh, that eternity is outside the realms of time and space, and maybe that's possible. Maybe that's true, but I think God creates familiar language in the Bible so that we can identify with what it's going to be like on the new heavens and the new earth. Here's, what the, here's some verses I want to throw at you so it's not just me talking. Um, first it says that, on the new earth, there will be similar experiences. God will wipe away our tears. He will remove our pain. He will give us a city, a river for drinking, fruit that bears its uh, fruit every month of the year, and leaves for healing. That's pretty physical and pretty real. Okay? Also, it says in 1 Corinthians three, eleven through 15, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... there are things that will survive, right? Things will survive in the new heaven and earth, right? Because that's what it says. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward on that day, right? So it's pretty clear. There's, There are acts, there are deeds. I think there are things, I think there is art, I think there is music. There are many good things that Christians have done throughout the ages that will survive, okay? It says in Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. However, it says, truly I say to you, in the new world, in the Greek that means regeneration, okay? Regeneration, returning, okay? Okay? like a starfish that gets its arm cut off, it grows back, right? So I think that the the new earth will have things that are similar to the the earth that we know and enjoy and love. It's it's new, but it's not totally unfamiliar. Um, It says in Acts 3.21, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore... Everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So, God is a redeemer, a restorer, a regenerator, okay, a remaker. So, there will be things that I think will be very familiar to us in the new earth. I think the new earth will be a lot like Eden, okay because that was God's original plan, and that's what God is bringing us back to. He's bringing us back to that point where we can enjoy Him, we can walk with God, we can enjoy the fruits from the tree of life, but without the sin and toil and all the evil things that have come since the fall. God, like I said before, God... God called the creation good, and he does not give up on it. I do believe that God will, I think the Bible supports this, like the flood, he will destroy all evil and ultimately renew the earth. Like with Noah in the flood, drowned evil, all those bad people, but the waters receded, and it was remade. God would do the same thing, but with fire. He will burn it up, and it will return beautiful, perfect, without sin, without evil. So I I want you to understand with my point that the new earth will be new, but there are many things to enjoy on this earth that I think will carry through, but better and bigger and brighter, which leads me to my third point. What it will... What will it be like and what we will do? Um, The first thing is that God will be with us. That's the most important thing. Um, It says, the dwelling place of God is with man. We will see his face. Now, I don't know about you, but I am excited. Now, hear my heart on this. I'm excited that there will be no more praying or struggling for devotions. We will need to pray. God will be. I'll we'll be talking to him like I'm talking to you guys. It will be so clear. We will see him. He will talk with us. With us, he will be our friend. He will be our God. He will be our King, and we'll hang out with him all the time. He's omnipresent. No big deal. He can hang out with everybody at the same time and still have intimate, personal conversations with each one of us. Right. So I am excited because it is. In this life, we see God, but it is through a mirror darkly, amen? Like, sometimes I am just struggling to get up and do it, and sometimes I feel nothing when I have my devotions, like a zombie. Now, there are times where God speaks to me, and it is powerful, and there are tears, and that is the glimpse, right, of what it will be like with him forever. But it is, it, is, it is work now to do that because of who we are. We are still in this broken, sinful wor- world. Um, he brings, like I said before, he brings heaven down to earth for us. The river of God flows from the throne to the city. No more division, no more separation like the garden. We'll be walking with God. That is exciting. I am ready to see God and be with him and hang out with him. And enjoy him second thing there will be no more sin there will be no more sin verses 8 and 26 say that there will be no evil all evil will be cast out forever and finally so imagine your life even right now without sin that is a totally different world that we live in, right? If we imagine, I can easily imagine what it's like, okay? Because I know myself and I know the people around me, and we're sinners, and that's what causes brokenness in relationships, brokenness in friendships, uh, brokenness with bosses and employees. All these, everything's marred by it. There will be no more sin, which means no more death. And I think we've become accustomed to sin in this world. Um, When I, my undergraduate degree is in music education and one of my professors, the director of band said, make sure when you're a teacher, when you teach music, that you're spending lots of time listening to great composers, to great performers, listen to the London Philharmonic, listen to CDs with, with top-of-the-line performers and music because what happens, you and I, I did this for three years, you listen to your sixth-grade band or your ninth-grade band, and after a while, it sounds pretty awesome. And it's not because they're awesome, it's because your ears kind of just lose that feeling of those, all those wrong notes and the intonation that's off. And... Um, you know, you're missing all the inner harmonies All those things, you become accustomed to that So you, he said, go back and listen to great music So that you, oh yeah, okay We have a lot of work to do, okay Let's get back to it, okay And we do the same thing, don't we? What's, what's kind of sin, right? We kind of live with it And we kind of, we kind of accept it and are okay with it But no, it's, that's not how it's supposed to be Sin is an aberration, okay It is an evil. It is twisted. Earth will be as we always wanted it. I also read last summer, uh, or two summers ago, um, another Chronicles of Narnia series, The Last Battle. And I want to read a a quote from it. And Narnia is the land. And this is, after everyone... Uh, The sun is put out in Narnia, and all the, the people who are following Aslan are put through this door, and they're in this other place. And it says, Narnia is not dead. This is Narnia. And somebody else says, but how can it be? Said Peter, for Aslan told us older ones that we should never return to Narnia, and here we are. Yes, said Eustace, and we saw it all destroyed and the sun put out, and it's all so different, said Lucy. But then the eagle is right, said Lord Diggory. Listen, Peter, when Aslan said you could never go back to Narnia, he meant the Narnia that you were thinking of. But that was not the real Narnia. That had a beginning and an end. It was only a shadow or a copy of the real Narnia, which has always been there and always will be there, just as our own world. It's only a shadow or copy of something in Aslan's real world. We need not mourn over Narnia, Lucy. All of the old Narnia that mattered, all the dear creatures have been drawn into the real Narnia through the door. And of course it is different. As different as a real thing is from a shadow or as waking life is from a dream. Right? So all the good, all the great pleasures and the things that we have in this life, They're they're a a tiny little fraction of a piece that we will get the whole thing in the new earth. We'll get it all. We will have home, okay? Jerusalem, it's a beautiful city um, filled with streets of gold, transparent glass, um, precious stones. And God loves cities because people are insidious. Uh, but not dirty and old and broken, they'll be given to us perfect by God. Uh, here's what, can you show the picture of what the New Jerusalem would look like if it was totally accurate? Yeah, so if this is what Jerusalem will look like, this is like a t- to scale, okay? It's pretty big, right? Uh, You have plenty to do, right? Uh, And it goes into the atmosphere because it's a cube, right? Length, height, width are equal, 12,000 stadia, which is about 1,300 miles. That's what it looks like in the USA. What's the next one? If it was in the Middle East, it'd be the whole thing, right? It'd be all of that. That That's the new city, okay? Uh, And it says in Hebrews 11, so we'll have a city, a great city, a city not like... Not like so many of the cities that we live in. It's not like Kuwait City, okay? It will be incredible. Hebrews 11.10 says, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. God's going to build that city, which is going to be incredible to live in. Home, right? And we all understand this because we live in a foreign land. Okay, The new earth will be our home. It will not be foreign. We will think this is where I was designed by God to be. We'll have bodies. It says in Philippians 3 that he will make our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Our bodies will be powerful and strong. There will be no pain in our bodies. Many of us, okay, I'm still pretty young, but I'm starting to feel pain in my body. Uh, But that will all be gone. We'll have bodies that will run fast and just be full of strength, and it will be incredible. Relationships. We'll have relationships. There will be billions of people throughout history that have made it to heaven, through the blood of Jesus, and we'll get to know them over countless millennia, hearing and telling stories of life on earth, new adventures in heaven, on the new earth. There will be so much to talk about, and if you know me, I love people. So this is like one of my favorite things, because, you know, living in Kuwait, I love Kuwait. The thing I don't like the most is the kind of the revolving door that is painful, that is real. Uh, But in in the new earth, we'll have all, we'll literally have all the time in the world to enjoy each other, spend time, take breaks. We can visit prophets from the past, people we've never met, hang out with people in church. So much exciting, okay? We'll get to enjoy each other forever, okay? Make new friendships. There's many people that I, uh, because of limited time and resources, I don't get to be friends with, even in this small congregation. So imagine just the billions of people that we'll get to know over the millennia. Work. I think that we will work, because before the curse, God said you will work the garden. Um, but it'll be without, it's work without the curse. And a lot of you like to work, and I think you will get to do work in heaven. Good, God-honoring, satisfying work um, that will be a joy to us in satisfying writing, art, music, technology, education. We're, there's, there's no indication that we'll, be, we'll become inf- infinite like God. We will still learn and grow and change and glorify God forever. right? So there will be stuff to do. Culture and travel. If you know me, I do love to Travel. Uh, and sometimes we have this mentality that you think you need to do it all now because it's not going to be around forever. Uh, I don't think so. It'll be better then, right? There'll be no bed bugs on the new earth. There will be no people trying to rip you off on the new earth. it will be many of the great things, many great places to travel to and explore culture and enjoy people and... And maybe even historical things that have survived That we'll get to enjoy this forever So don't feel like that you are sacrificing something now for something later Um, Leisure and fun Hebrews 4 So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God For whoever has entered God's rest Has also rested from his works As God did from his There will be relaxing Okay. There will be power right? It says the last verse in, in the scripture says, we will reign, they will reign with him forever. So we will rule with him, under him. In conclusion, why is it important to think about heaven? and spend all this time talking about what heaven will be like, and it will be great. Why is it important? Because, you know, in this life, not all our dreams will come true. And many of you know this. Even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by Jesus, eventually died again, right? So even if you get what you want, it, it doesn't last forever on this earth. God resurrects some dreams now, but some will be resurrected later, right? I, God had, had it, through a miracle, for reasons I do not know, allowed me to have a baby. But there are many friends of mine who struggle with infertility who are still struggling with it. Why is that? Because not all things are resurrected in this life. Even if most of our lives, second reason why it's important, even if most of our lives are relatively easy, it will not satisfy. There are many stories of people who win the Olympic gold medal and they are filled with depression afterwards. because that's the height of human achievement, right? And then where do you go from there? It, it can't satisfy. God made it that way. People who are rich are miserable and often kill themselves, right? If you chase after what's in this world, it will not, it will not satisfy you. We also try to bring heaven to earth, which do, also does not work. In this culture, in Kuwait, we have money, And we try to bring things down to earth, and that all backfires. We try to make his kingdom like our kingdom, our lowercase k kingdom. But it does not work. His capital K kingdom is the only one that will last and is powerful. We shall think of heaven because the best moments in this life, the sweetest pleasures and things that we enjoy, remind us of heaven. So think about heaven. Think about it imagine what the best parts to you will be. For the Christian, this is as close to hell as we'll ever be. So, let's, let's stand up on our feet. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you this week to pray, think, and talk with people about heaven. And if you do not know if you're going to heaven, I'll be remiss if I didn't say this also, if you do not sure, 100%, please see me or Dell or Steve and we can give you that assurance through Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. It's not through what you do. There are no scales. Okay? We are all bad. Jesus is good. Jesus did all the work. We get all the righteousness. And if you are a Christian and you have questions about heaven, or if you think the best is now, you're trying to bring heaven down to earth. Put your hope there. That's where moth cannot destroy, neither can rust, nor thieves can break it and steal. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you that we are people who are looking forward to the new earth and the new heavens. It is going to be a place of great joy. We will, I think we will weep with pleasure and uh, satisfaction. I just thank you that you did all this for us. We did nothing. We just brought our sin and you wiped it away. And we're the only people who do not give what we deserve. The rest of the world gets what they deserve, which is hell and we deserve hell. But you gave us your son, and you gave us life and eventually eternal life. We just thank you, Jesus. We love you. And I us pray that you would imprint on our hearts a picture Of the new heavens and the new earth, and what our future looks like. We ask this in your name, King Jesus. Amen.